Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. Okay. Listeners, welcome to God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and for Seekers. And of course, as always, thanks for listening. And we always enjoy your comments. And uh, just uh, whatever platform you're listening on, just be sure to holler at us and shout out to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we got any shout outs for anybody today? You know, we forget a lot of times, but Leanne and Mark in Texas right, yeah. are two of our you know regular listeners. Great. And and always, love to hear from them. And I get texts and stuff from from Leanne mm -hmm. from time to time. I haven't texted her in a while. I'm gonna have to, hey, Leanne, I'm going to have to text you. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, uh, we, we want to use this episode. And, of course, and, and all of our new listeners, and thanks for sharing us. And, and uh, even if you listen anonymously, hey, that's cool, too. Uh, we'd like to use this episode uh, somewhat to restate our mission and kind of reaffirm our goals of what this podcast is all about. Uh, sometimes not everybody goes back and re-listens to the first, even though I think we have a pretty good intro that, bring yeah. us in and kind of tells but we just want to we want to we don't want anybody to get the impression that we're just trying to tear down the christian <laughs> religion right, right. systematically tear it down so uh, uh so we're just going to do about three segments here and we're going to talk about the bible and and uh, uh jesus and uh the church just kind of restate our mission here and that's been the biggest thing as we approach the various topics of thought and discussion we don't want to lose sight of our mission which is to challenge our God-in-the-box theology. That's your God-in-the-box theology. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and as stated in our introduction to each episode, we want folks to ask the question, is the Bible the sum of God, a complete work of everything God's ever done in eternity past and everything he'll ever do in the future? I mean, due to decades and even centuries of the church declaring that the Bible we have today is everything we should know or need to know about God, our position here at God Beyond the Bible is that we've frozen him into a single book written in a span of about a thousand years. The most recent writings are now almost 2,000 years old. Yeah, because I think maybe maybe John's writings were some of the last, and they, and they believe they were around A.D. 95, so, mm -hmm. you know, so we're getting close to that. Yeah, so yeah, the very last things written in the Bible 2,000 years ago, yeah. roughly. And, you know, a lot of people argue that everything we need to know about this magnificent and extreme force of good that we call Theos is contained in this book. And of course, theos is our word translated God mm -hmm. in the New Testament. That's where we get that. 
And in short, we've made the Bible God, and that this often results in a vicarious relationship with him, a relationship that's lived through the lives and experience of the characters and writers of the Bible, instead of the personal friendship he desires to have with us. And as you often hear us say, if you'll be honest, heralding the Bible as the complete work of God is really saying he hasn't had anything to say to us in 2,000 years. And that's probably because we don't expect him to. He's already said it, right? I mean, that's sometimes the way we think. We don't expect him to. Right, right. And our goal is also, we it's not to systematically disassemble the Bible or make any claim that it's not important or that it's obsolete. It is a precious work that connects us to those throughout the time period it was written who have sought to know God. But this book itself makes no claim that it's all there is to God. We all here use the Bible daily. We don't have, we don't have a single episode that we don't substantiate the passages from with passages from the Bible. We believe in its real life-inspiring events captured on its pages. However, there's no indication that those who originally penned those words and events that we cherish knew that the writings would someday be condensed into a single work by various councils and groups of men and declared to be holy scripture. Or even more or even no more than myself as a teacher and a pastor that I I somehow think that somebody's gonna go over these recorded notes and recorded things that I do two thousand <laughs> right. years and from now and we, say say, Well this is God speaking or even here at this podcast, right? Yeah, right. We're not we don't want what we do to be elevated to a point that people and we have a tendency to do that. When we say it's inspired of God, we think, oh, well, they were inspired to write this for the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we believe they were inspired, but that's not Does anyone here know what inspired means where we get the word inspired? It means this to be spot. briefed into. No, it? it actually doesn't. Oh. It came from a word. It explains itself. Inspired in spirit. When John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he said, he actually said, I was inspired interesting on the lord's day oh. get it in yeah. spirit but that's inspired not what we're taught. that's no. no that's not what but that's where it actually comes from it comes from i actually looked that up <laughs> i had to look it up and because i always just like you it means god breathed yeah that, that it means in spirit which spirit means breath mm-hmm. right but it really means i was in the spirit and uh, so you know that that kind of if we it's funny how we take little words and we make them mean something really powerful and in our translations and then we make it a whole thing around I had a really interesting conversation in Sunday school this morning um with the lady and we were discussing the Bible and she said you know she said something that's always really bothered me is she said my sister she said she can read the Bible and she gets all of these magnificent spiritual things out of it. And she said, when I read it, I get bored. She said, but I realized that that's just not how God speaks to me. She said, yeah. I can go out and sit on the edge of the field and, watch the birds swoop down well god can't if she don't take her bible god can't speak to her (laughs) i'm not making fun folks don't shut the don't i've had to realize that just because she said not that the bible's not a wonderful thing she said but just because that's not how god speaks to me doesn't mean that god's not speaking to me did you give her did you give her a card to the podcast. I didn't. I didn't have one with me, and I thought she might want to hear one of your sermons first. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, now, the Bible's for sure a collection of thoughts and experiences each of uh, these people had as they sought to know God. Their inspiration uh, did not separate them from who they were as human beings any more than our being inspired today does. 
their likes, their dislikes, their culture, both secular and religious, their life philosophies and experiences all played a role in how they approached, thought, believed, and even wrote as they sought to experience God. If we read the Bible openly and honestly without the dogma of our particular religious background, we'll clearly see that those folks were real people in a real world. Inspired they may have been, but human they were. And they even disagreed with the, one another concerning their particular take on particular issues of the religion of their day, as we presented in our episode on the conflict in the early church, where Paul and James were clearly divided on the issue of grace and faith alone, or, or is it grace by faith and works, which James believed that it was. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as I finally broke my silence on that, that single issue, and I began to speak to other leaders in the church arena, I guess I was a little shocked to discover that many, if not most of them, were well aware of Paul and James' conflict, but they would say things to me like, well, I just find it better to keep with the traditional teaching that they were just saying the same thing in different ways than to make it an issue and upset the biblical apple cart. And that's kind of where we are, isn't it? I mean, we it don't is. want, because this is how, it, when something is seems like a conflict in the Bible, we all have that Christian lingo and all of that stuff, and we've got the proper way mm -hmm. to interpret it. And, and I'm not picking on apologetics, but apologetics is lent a lot it, to that. And it leaves a lot of us sitting back there going, why do I not get it? Why yeah. does that answer not satisfy me? It makes it doesn't make sense. Am I not smart enough? To, well, but then I don't want to say anything because not, what if I'm not? Because you're not inspired. Exactly. <laughs> because, anyway, so that's kind of our take on the Bible, and we'll close out this segment, and we'll be back with our take on Jesus. And as promised, welcome back to segment two of episode, what, 18, isn't it? I don't have it written here at the top of my page. Okay. Episode 18 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and Four Seekers. And uh, we're just kind of using this episode to recap our mission, restate where mm -hmm. we are, how we, how we, we talked about uh, what we, you know, how we believe about the Bible and uh Honestly, and I think a lot of people believe that same way. It's just hard to do that in this world we live in. And now we're going, we, as promised, we're going to talk about Jesus. Right. Now, is Jesus who he claimed to be, the Son of God, Messiah, God in the flesh, a Savior sent from God to save the world, the possessor and source of eternal life? Well, I'm going to say right now, I think he is. But <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah, I believe How it. we answer this question will almost always include the same two words, I and believe. Some may answer, I do not believe he was a real person at all, but just someone made up by the religious community. And, and how are you going to, I mean, are you going to fight with that person and say, I'm going to show you no. and prove to you. Believing's a thing about faith, so you're it not going to, you're not going to ugly that and shame that person into, you may make them angry and you may make them take a position they'll never believe exactly. anything. But yeah, there's those words, even if they put do not between them, I believe's I in there. I believe. Some may answer, I believe Jesus was a real man but I do not believe he was the son of God or Messiah. And you know, I, last Sunday, I don't want to keep jumping in here on you, but last Sunday was, of course, we celebrated the resurrection, the uh, mm -hmm. Easter mm -hmm. last Sunday. Uh, 
as of recording of this podcast. But, uh, you know, I, I made a point. That's one thing that if you notice that all four of the Gospels, the resurrection of Jesus, and that is the point that made him not just another prophet or not just another man. That resurrection of Jesus. Yes. And, and look, Paul put it all together and said he was seen by more than 500 at one time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he talked about all the others. You know, we had the two that's on the road to Emmaus that saw him. We saw the, the Mary and the other Mary that saw him at the tomb. Uh, John saw him. Uh, and then Paul said, finally, I saw him. And then the others that he named. Now, guys, that, that's corroborating testimony, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, and so I believe, I believe exactly what those guys, it's amazing how that part of the Bible is very specific. Mm-hmm. We've got specific detail on that. So, uh with uh so we had to pause there for a minute we kept hearing the cat call <laughs> y'all heard a cat meowing we still haven't figured out where she is we've got a cat around here and she somehow decided to meow right in the middle but uh, like we said some may answer i believe jesus was a real man but i don't believe he was the son of god or the messiah there's just not enough ev- you know they'll say that right, and that's right. o- and, and i'm gonna say that's okay in the fact well it doesn't matter it does matter but you're not gonna steal you're not gonna shame people that but there's the words i believe in that And then others may answer, I believe he was a great teacher, a prophet sent from God. I believe in his philosophy of love and forgiveness, but I do not believe he was the son of God. Well, and you know, didn't the Jewish leaders of the day, they fit in this category, right? Yeah. Because they'd call him teacher, rabbi. Right. Uh, we, We know that thou art a prophet come from God or you couldn't do the things you do. But where they got, we're kind of hung in there crawl when they st- he started saying i am god yeah. i am the son of god and then still others like myself may answer i believe he is exactly who he claimed to be and who peter claimed he was you are the messiah the son of the living god and i that's what we of course all here believe and uh, i'm gonna take this next part and because my personal conviction is centered around the little noted writing of paul in the church in Colossae. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes in verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if you just had that? Christ is your image of who God really is. Think about that for a moment. Uh, I think this describes some personal faith in many levels and probably contributes to my approach and philosophy concerning God and his relationship to mankind. Now, let's be real honest. In the Old Testament, we have pages and pages making contributions to how we imagine God to be. And uh, there again, to be honest, that image of God is pretty harsh and unsettling. I can remember I was pastoring a, a church a few years ago, and, and there was a man who he is actually uh, was a, a psychologist from the military that he had retired, and they went to church there. And we were reading one of those things where God just wiped out, you know, God just got angry, and God told us to kill everybody, and he told us that we need to kill every dog and cat and baby and everything. And, and I remember him saying in the Sunday school, he said, you know, I've got a problem with that. He said, that's just troubling to me. That troubles me. And, of course, then I was the, you know, the stereotypical, well, now, listen, this just how, whether you want to believe it or however you want to think about it, that's how God did it. That's just the way God does things. But it is harsh and unsettling. And those writings preserved for us by the Jewish folks portrayed God as well, angry and unappeasable. And he got his work on earth accomplished by what? Terror, death, and slaughter. Now, and he said, oh, yeah, but see, we're so, that's why we're supposed to fear God. That's not the kind of fear. As a matter of fact, so many words are translated fear in the Bible and uh, it, words like respect and other things. There, you know, the, the, we talked about this, I think, last, last time maybe we mentioned in our last podcast, but uh, the Jews reigned by fear. 
They reigned by fear. Their their whole concept of God is just be very afraid. Mm-hmm. But you never know what he's going to do. He's unpredictable, and there's no telling what he might do. Now, I'm going to say at this point, it's a troubling image, and I can't say that I understand it. However, when I see God through the image of Jesus, now remember, he is the visible image of the invisible God. He seems to be a very different God than that presented on the pages of the Old Testament. Jesus is loving, compassionate, forgiving, non-judgmental, and especially for those outside the Jewish religion. And let me say, I cannot balance the two images. I don't think anyone else can truthfully balance those images. Jesus himself had his harshest criticism, not for those that were considered to be heathen and lost, but for who? The religious community itself. Yeah, he had it for the religious community, which makes me think he was not happy with the image that they were projecting of God. And this goes back, I have to kind of dive in. This goes back into segment one where you have to remember who these authors were and Mm -hmm. where they were living and what their influence was. How many times have we put God's name on something that maybe was more us than God? Well, I mean, mean, let's just go ahead and say what some people are probably thinking. Is it possible that the Jews took on the decision to go do something and later recorded, God told us to do that? Well, did Jeremiah not say that your prophets have lied to you? That's right. He did. Jeremiah Jeremiah 8, wasn't it? Chapter 8. And he said, how have they done? How have they deceived you? They've deceived you with their pen. Mm -hmm. Now, that's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. That's pretty strong stuff. But uh, but Paul goes on with that thought, Tracen, and yeah, and the conclusion of Paul's thought on Christ as the visible image of the invisible God is further down in Colossians one nineteen and twenty, where he says in verse nineteen, "For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ." Now, now think about that for a minute. What does that say? God in all His fullness was pleased. In other words, he was pleased for Christ to be his visible image of who he really was. Mm-hmm. That image very different than what had always been portrayed to him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. And in verse 20, he says, And through him, Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And I hear people say, you can take that way too far. You could make that say, but you know, I'm just saying what Paul said. I agree with him. And Paul said, it's settled. What does reconciled mean? To be put back together. Well, it means that the the gap, whatever chasm there was, whatever breach Mm -hmm. in the relationship there was, it's fixed. It's good now. It's all, if you reconcile two people, then they're reconciled. They're friends. Everything's good. We're not, None of, we're not going to bring up the past anymore. I think that's what he talked about when he said, and their sins will be remembered no more. Yes. You know, and Jesus himself told the disciples, if you want to see the Father, just look at me. If you want to know who he is and what he wants, just watch me. And I personally agree with and have adopted Paul's take on how we should perceive or imagine God through the words and actions of Jesus and of Jesus alone. He after all, reduced six to seven hundred of the Jewish religious laws to a simple love God, love your fellow man. And notice he didn't say fear God. No. Jesus never said. Be afraid. These are the two rules. These are the two things I want you to remember. Fear God and love your fellow man. He said, love God and love your fellow man. And why do we feel like we have to make it harder than that? 
Uh, well, because it's the cake mix thing that we talked about yeah, in the last episode. Exactly. We have to contribute something. We need to, and it's control. It's all about control. We want to control yeah. people's minds. And if you don't agree with me, if you don't share my creed, then something's wrong with you. Right. Because my creed's the right one. Of course. Mine's always right. And Tabby's that has the problem. Tabby, but <laughs> and there are those who will respond to this by saying, well, that's all well and good, but that's just picking and choosing. You have to use the whole Bible and reach your image of God on the sum of the balance, to which I have to say, if you do, your image of God is unpredictable, you know, sometimes loving, but a lot of times he's angry and he's really moody and unapproachable. Almost schizophrenic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hate to say it's that, not, but, but it's, 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 it's the schizophrenic image of God that we just don't know what mood he's going to wake yeah. up in today. I'm, I'm liable to I'm liable to just have said the wrong word yesterday, and now today he's angry again. And he's going to get me and the rest of my family for three generations. Yeah, and that, that doesn't sound like reconciliation. Jesus, Does that sound like reconciliation? Well, that's an image that Jesus never portrayed. No, he, didn't. he did not. And, of course, that brings us, I guess, down to the end of segment two. And we're going to be talking about in segment three, our position on the church. Seekers to God Beyond the Bible, podcast number 18, where we're discussing, just sort of recapping what our mission and position is and all that stuff. And we talked about the Bible in segment one, and uh, we discussed in segment two our take on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're going to talk about the church. Of course, we've done quite a few episodes on what we believe, the decline of the church, what we did, two episodes on that, decline of the church, did did on the church and money. Yes. And then and then I think last week now we just will have uh, just released, uh, just came out the end of uh, April. It was the New Covenant of Grace, the church and the New Covenant yes. of Grace, right? So we've done a lot on the church. So everybody's kind of got an idea about where we stand on sure. the church. And we're not trying to dissemble the church or discredit the church or any of those things. We're just saying, folks, things are a-changing. Yeah. Things are a-changing. And we've made no secret to our position, like Dad said Alan, I guess I yeah, should call dad, him. Yeah, right. dad, that's all right. Concerning the future of what we've termed the modern church. The church itself is the community of believers that has no physical or geographical address or identity. And I think it will always exist and always thrive. We, after all, are joined by a single common thread, Jesus. And we believe that the church exists in the hearts of people not in organizations or buildings. And it's hard not to say, I'm going to go up to the church. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> and we, I know we know this concept, but, you know, we, we that building. We put a lot of. The yeah. organization. Also, because, I'm sorry. Go ahead there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit saying I'm sorry, but I know I, I jump in there on you a lot, <laughs> but, but go ahead. Well, anywhere two believers meet, there's a kindred spirit, and this is the essence of the church. Jesus said, where two or three gather together in my name, I will be present. And this church will never cease to exist, no matter what happens in the world. The church itself is really a living organism, and it is alive anywhere that there are believers. I know you like that play on words. It's, it's, it's not an organization. It's it is an organism. An organism. Yeah, I it's not that. just an organization. Yeah, and with the church being a living organism, it will never cease to exist. However, the church is an organization 
has always been in this state of flux and unrest, and it's clearly in decline. Um, that reminds me, I read a quote by A.W. Tozer the other day, and it said he said that the the greatest opposition in the church today are the people who were on the cutting edge of what happened in the church yesterday. And do you know what he means by that? Did, does it soak in what he it, says yeah, about that? Yeah, just that does not want to change. Yeah, dig your we, feet we, in the we've, we've had our heyday. Yes. We, we did it this way and it worked, and so it never needs to change. Right. And so now the church is trying to change, and those same people that were on the cutting edge, they're digging their feet in. No, this is the way it has to be done. <laughs> we need I more. thought that was just a clever it was We need more yeah. of what we did, not more of what you want. Though. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so we, we talked about in an earlier episode that our position is that the modern church as an organization that has patterned itself after government and big business is clearly on the decline. It just isn't working for a lot of folks who are believers at heart. And you know what's kind of amazing about this? Well, if it's not, it doesn't matter if it works for you or not. That's just how it's going to be. It's God. This is the way God is. And your opinion of how it doesn't matter. We need more of that old time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's, get that, let's get that old time religion going. That's all we need to do is, you know, go back somewhere to the past. But yeah. we're going to talk about that later. The modern church as an organization has become too political and the emphasis on money and power over its membership has overshadowed its higher calling and purpose. Whether it was deliberate or not, the church through time has kind of presented itself to the masses with the impression that... Now we're talking about the organized church. Right, here. Yeah, right. The, organized, the church. organized church has you know, presented itself with the impression that if you want to know anything about God, that's our business and we have the monopoly on him so you come to us and that's really if you think about it uh that's the very monopoly the religious leaders of jesus day enjoyed so much mm -hmm. that when he came offering a direct way that wasn't by them mm -hmm. uh what happened they killed him yeah they <laughs> wanted him dead yes because Many have discovered, as in Jesus' day, that they don't have to depend on an organization to broker their relationship with God. That relationship is personal and brokered through Jesus Christ himself. And again, our mission is not to discredit the benefits folks receive from gathering together in an orderly and somewhat organized manner to pray, sing, praise, worship, visit, love, and laugh. Eat. And yeah, eat. don't forget <laughs> yeah. that. In one of those eating churches. Yeah. Whatever the need it fulfills. But the truth is that the way we do church in general is not working for a lot of folks. And I will dive in here and say, it's not working for my generation. I'm a millennial. And guys, it's not feeding us the way we need to be fed. And just because they operate outside of the organization doesn't mean they're not part of the organism. And that's a, and that's a true statement. You know, I personally think we're already experiencing the transition evolution of the modern church as we know it into something very new and very different. That transition may very well spell the end of the organization as we know it, but the church is the organism that dwells in the heart of every believer will not only survive, but it will emerge and thrive as a new, more inclusive and powerful influence on the community and world. The only solution to stem the growing disillusionment of an unrest the modern church has seemed to offer so far is to continue to do what we have always done. The same, the same way we've always done it, only with more fervor and intensity 
and expect to get a better result. Man, as we've said before, that is the, someone said definition that it, of definition insanity. of insanity. Yeah. Let's just do more, do it harder, do it louder, do it longer. Uh, because what we need is these people, that, you know, how many times have you guys heard somebody get up and say, well, we don't even have, we used to have two week long revivals where we had yeah. church every night and <laughs> Sunday morning and Sunday night for two weeks. And now you can't even get people to get together for three nights. Now we'll have a three night. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have. And uh, so it's like, you know, that's that's have, the definition of what works. And I've seen how dare you, you know, get together on a church night and eat or let the kids play out in the front yard and eat and y'all not have an actual service. Well, we know we know that there's a lot of places that we feel and, and we've all been. We're not I'm just not trying. I'm not wanting to be critical no. of how people do things and how they we feel. We have been in and out of lots of churches through the years and we've had lots of experiences. Well, and we've all been at different stages of our own personal walk. Yeah. It's not like we, you know, I mean, we've all been in a lot of these same situations. Well, are we ready to conclude this episode? Yeah. All right, and that's my job. Our mission here at God Beyond the Bible is not to fuel unrest and contention in the believing community. I really think we just say things people already think. Mm -hmm. You're just afraid to say them. Oh, just, yeah. You're not going to say this in church meeting. You're not going to say, I mean, let's talk about the two-week-long revival. You think there are people that weren't warned to a frazzle and said, is it is the end ever going to get here? Well, can you imagine, you know. Dragging a family of kids and getting exactly. them ready. They go to school yeah. during the day and go to a two-week long. I mean, let's just be honest. They had to be wore to mm -hmm. an absolute frazzle. And don't you figure, you reckon the number got more and more. Do you think as it got closer, the number attending got less and less? And especially when you have children that have hours of homework to do when they get Man, home this, on yeah. top of the two or three hour revival. But if you were really oh yeah, right, you would make that work. Okay. Well, we're not trying to fuel the unrest and any create any contention but uh, we're just we're just talking about these obvious shortcomings of the god in the box approach to our spiritual needs and unanswered questions that most believers have and are spiritually shushed when they talk even almost hear the shh we don't talk about that now again if the bible itself is such a clearly defining work that some claim it to be that it tells us in exact detail how to experience our God, our Father and Creator, in the only way we're supposed to, why are there more than 30,000 denominations that vary and disagree on a myriad of these points, each touting its creed to be the correct one, all using the same collection of writings, and I'm talking about the Bible, to support their particular brand of Christianity? Is it possible that the very problem we're experiencing today is a result of limiting God to this single ancient word? And in so doing, we do not allow for him to speak to us in the here and now or to lead us into the future because we've convinced ourselves that he's going, that all he's going to do or all he's going to say is somewhere in the past. Now, I personally believe that God is quite capable of revealing himself and revealing his will for us today and tomorrow in real time. He's not back there in the past somewhere waving us back. Hey, y'all have left me. Come on back here to Mount Sinai. You have right. left me somewhere back. That's not God. He is the God of the future. Yes, he is. And he's as futuristic as we can ever, more than we could ever imagine. He's not back there in the past somewhere, as some would have us believe, uh, beckoning us from behind to come back. But he's ahead of us in the future. Like any proud daddy who watches his child take their very first steps, encouraging and coaxing us, uh, to take another and then another till he sweeps us up in his strong arms and embraces us and whispers, I knew you could do it. Oh, isn't that such an image? It is. I love yeah. that. I knew you could do it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just come on. You can do it. Take the steps. Okay. Well, 
friends and neighbors and family of seekers. Until next time, we want God's grace, peace, and love to be on you from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.